Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. So here we are in early May, beautiful weather today at least. Here it's just sunny, cool, and warm at the same time. You know those days, right? And for me, it turns my attention and makes me kind of remember back in the day, school. School's about out now in my day. I'm 59 next week. So years and years and years ago, school would get out by late, you know, middle to late May. Memorial Day, we're already out. Right now, I know school these days go to June something and start again in July. Crazy. And I get it, year-round calendar and, and all that, balanced school year. But for me, the memories that I have and so many others at my age, we went to school until about May 20th, maybe maybe May 22nd. We're out. And we don't go back till, fill in the blank, after Labor Day. That's right. We have June, July, August, and even into the first few days of, of September. So it's a beautiful time. But I remember school. And I remember these days where recess was the thing I looked forward to the most. Now, let's be honest. Recess and lunch were the two classes that I excelled in. I was actually a pretty good student from kindergarten to about sixth grade. Now, remember, many of you know my testimony I had a pretty severe speech impediment, and I was always in the white trailer behind the school to work with Mrs. Eubanks to help with my speech impediment. Praise God for Mrs. Eubanks. That's a podcast for another time. But I did was able to be a part of the school at times with different classes, and recess, of course, was one of them. Lunch was another. But again, grades kindergarten to sixth grade, I was a I was a pretty good student. I was always making A's, honor roll different awards, class awards, a student of the of the class, all that. And something happened in junior high and high school. I was not a bad student. I just did not apply myself. Anybody out there relate, right? So I did not, re- and went to college, graduated. But honestly, I did not learn to apply myself in any kind of educational environment until I was in seminary. And that's when I was 34 years old, born again, and now I'm invested and vested, right? So, but back in the day, recess was still, even though I was a good student, I liked classes, I liked my teachers, I actually liked doing homework, again, from kindergarten to about sixth grade, but recess was it. Recess was where it was at. I still remember so many classic moments of recess. Now, again, I'm not, at that time, the athletic specimen I am today. <laughs> I couldn't finish that without laughing. So I I think I'm relatively in shape. I think I'm relatively relatively athletic. But in the day, I was not. I was that kid that was picked last, proverbially and uh, realistically. Uh, in real life, I was that kid. I was picked last for almost every team whether it was volleyball or dodgeball or kickball. So kickball, I remember, and I don't remember exactly what time of year, except I think it was similar to this time, maybe late April, maybe early, mid-May, 
where it was a beautiful day and we're out there playing kickball probably right around lunchtime, I believe. It may have been right before or right after. So I don't know why they put my two favorite classes back to back, but they did most of the time. So we're playing kickball and I was picked last for this particular team on this particular day, but it happened every day. And so sure enough, bottom of whatever inning, now we played until Mrs. Coppersmith uh, blew the, the whistle. I remember this is for my fourth grade teacher was Mrs. Coppersmith. And when she blew the whistle, we're done. So that was how many innings we played, <laughs> you know, if it's two or 20. So we were close to the end. I, re- I knew that, we, you know, we all knew that recess was about over. Game was, I believe, I, I know we were in the bottom of whatever inning we were. And my team was down by three. I remember that. And I also remember bases were loaded. And it was my time to come to, quote, bat or kick. I really do remember, I think, this audible groan from my team. Because if you pick last, you kick last. You're the bottom of the lineup, right? Ugh. So here I am. I know what's at stake. I see the bases loaded. I am well aware of the rules of uh, kickball. And I know that the team, the game, the win hinges on me. So I remember the first roll of the kickball. I whiff it. Literally, I, the, the, one of the worst things in the world, you can let it go by and it can be called a strike or a ball. But, uh, but when you whiff it, there's just no, you whiff it, right? So that's strike one. The second one I let go. Now somebody, I guess we were playing umps at that time and someone called the strike. So now I'm 0-2. I'm behind in the count, 0-2. Base is loaded. I'm kind of watching Mrs. Copper Smith grab her whistle here. She's about ready to blow the end of the game. So this is it. This is it. All the marbles. All of uh, the elementary school, you know, uh, is the pressure is mounting on me, Timmy Johnson, at bat at the at the plate. Here comes the the roll, and I'm telling you, I got every bit of. Now I was a little chunky as a as a kid. I didn't lose my weight till probably I was 13 years old. I think it was. When I started learning how to box a little bit and played basketball. So the two Bs. Helped me trim down. I literally lost 50 pounds in one summer, basketball and boxing. But this was not then. This was a couple, at least two or three years before. So, But I've got every bit of my chunkiness into this kick. It's a good kick. Guys, it's a good kick. And so I get every ounce of however much poundage I have. And that kickball literally reaches the heaven. I mean, it goes straight up. And so we're like, everyone's holding their collective breath. The bases begin to clear. I start running to first base thinking, I, I, this is, oh my God, is this, is this going to happen? Oh no. It comes down. I don't think it left the infield. Wait for it. Wait for it. The worst thing of all for a fourth grader back in the day was to have a girl Catch your pop fly. Yep. Second baseman, base woman, caught the pop-up that didn't even leave the infield. Went high, didn't go far. Out. 
Game lost. Ms. Coppersmith blows the whistle. I drag my sorry tail into class. All the loss just wait on me, right? Just bleh. So go home. I I go in working in the garden with, with my daddy, and I recount the story to him. And I remember, uh, again, my dad and I didn't have the best of relationships, but we also but I loved him, and, and I remember a lot of good memories from my daddy. And uh, he told me, I remember the advice he gave me. I think we were digging potatoes or something. I, I don't remember. Maybe we are planting at that time. Yeah, back in, in early May, we were planting something. We probably weren't harvesting anything, although there may have been a few things coming up in our spring garden. So I'm talking to him, and he says, you know, son, you just can't give up. You got a, another opportunity will present itself or something to that effect. And I remember that. I remember that moment. So Sure enough, true story, true story. You can check the annals of, of, of uh, the elementary school, um, Morningside Elementary. You can check it. I bet it's written in there. Heck, you could probably check ESPN. I think they have it on top plays. <laughs> very next day, very next day, kickball, beautiful day again, similar to what I'm looking at today and similar to what we can imagine, you know, beautiful sun, probably in the 60s, sun, cool, kickball tournament, kickball game is on. Seriously, picked last. Again, picked last. Seriously, same situation. Down by three, true story. Down by three, near the end of the game, Mrs. Coppersmith got her whistle ready to blow, and I'm at bat. I'm at the plate. No kidding. True story. And you know now, there's not even a groan it's almost like the fans are leaving the stadium. <laughs> They're already leaving the stadium. My the, my teammates are not exactly probably, you know, come on, fourth grade, back in the day, probably not the most encouraging. You can do it, Johnson. No. It's like, well, another loss. Another day, another loss. I get up there. I still, I so remember. It's so clear. The first kickball comes past me, right? I let it go. I'm waiting for my pitch, guys. <laughs> the second one comes past me. I let it go. I'm waiting for my... The third one comes past me. I get every ounce of my little fourth grade squatty body into that. It goes high. It goes far. It goes over the dumpster. Now, if you know anything about boundaries and fence and... Uh, rules of kickball in elementary school recess playground. The dumpster is the fence. Grand slam home run, baby. I win the game. I win the game. <laughs> I am the hero at this moment. I am the hero of the fourth grade. We win the game. So there's that up and down, right? And uh, one more story, and then we'll jump into the last part of Romans 7, which I think just really is so clear in the struggle we have in sin. Here I am, again, it's fourth grade. You remember field days, right? I think we still, there. I think there are still field days, right? I think most schools still have field days. I know that the field days that we had were all day affairs. Eight in the morning, we'd go out, and we'd be out all day long. We'd play every game imaginable. Um, I remember so clearly you know, packed, you know, sack lunches. It was the bomb of the bomb. It was, if recess was the bomb, 
Field days were the bomb of the bomb. They were the best of the best. And I remember this one particular field day, and I do believe it was fourth grade again. So it was still fourth grade. But this field day was maybe a week or so after that famous kickball moment that's captured on ESPN uh, Vintage Films. (laughs) Um, Vintage highlights, top 10 of the past. But this field day in particular, there was a tug-of-war tournament. And I don't know if field days exist as much anymore. I think they do. And I sure don't know if tug-of-wars exist anymore. Maybe they do. But you remember the tug-of-wars, right? You remember these ropes, these wonderful fiber-filled horrible burn-causing ropes that you would grab with your bare hands. And literally, they would tie a flag in the middle of the rope. And now in this field day, there was a puddle of mud. They actually took the, uh, I remember uh, one of the male teachers took a hose and and filled a uh, a hole, kind of a little mud hole, a little low place in with water. And so sure enough, the winner would be the one to not only move the flag past that mud hole, but to drag the other team, the losing team, through the mud, literally dragging through the mud. I remember this contest so clearly because it was girls versus boys. Remember what I said? The worst thing that could happen to a fourth grade boy in a kickball game was what? To get caught out by a girl. Ugh, worst thing. So the boys of the fourth grade, which I was one, was not going to get beat by a bunch of girls of the fourth grade. So here we are, girls against boys, right? And here is this fierce contest uh, where we wrap, you know, remember you sometimes, whether it's legal or not, you'd wrap the rope around your forearm or you'd wrap the rope around your waist. Now, the anchor could do that. I remember the anchor could wrap the rope around the waist. And we did that. I was not the anchor. I think I was actually near the front. Because um, again, <laughs> last folk get picked, right? Or the weakest folk get picked or the perceived weakest folk get picked, the folks who aren't real exactly athletic specimens. But in, in tug of war, if I remember, the front were the weaker folks, if you will. And then the back folks were the stronger. They were called the anchors, right? Kind of like uh, Red Rover, Red Rover, send so-and-so over and you always pick the weakest link, right? But alas, that may be a podcast for another time as well. So here we are. This, this contest, this gladiator contest, the Olympic Games, Roman gladiator games. Here we are, uh, the battle of the wills, battle of the tug of wars, girls versus boys. And I remember it was, it, it lasted, I think, eight hours. I, I, the, you know, it, was, it was just the sun beating down, sweat beating. It may have lasted five minutes, but it, it felt like an hour, especially when you looked at your hands. Uh, the hands were full of those fibers of the. Or couldn't they found? Couldn't they found a, 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 a smoother rope? But alas, here we are, back and forth and back and forth. And I do remember that flag, and everybody's cheering, and, and different people. You know, the pl- t- coaches or the teachers are coaching us now. Come on, come on! You know, guy coaches were coaching the guys or girl. You know, guy teachers, girl teachers, women co- teachers were coaching the gals. Back and forth and back and forth it went, and the flag kept teetering, oh, so perilously close to, to, to across the mud puddle to one side to the other. Ugh. Ugh. With this superhuman Herculean pull and this amazing tug, somehow or another, yes, the girls pulled and won. They pulled the flag over. Not only did they pull the flag over, there's this sense of defeat at that point. And the the guys, even though we kind of thought, we knew we had lost, 
there, we were still, for whatever reason, hanging onto the rope, and we got pulled into the mud. I mean, I don't know how many. The anchor, I don't think, did, but the five, six, seven of us in front, which was me, including me, got pulled right into the mud hole. Now, fun? Yes, kind of. The mud, not a problem. Getting beat by the girls, big problem. <laughs> so anyway, Romans 7 is this tug of war. It ends. Romans 7 ends. We've been kind of walking through these three great chapters, Romans 6, Romans 7. We'll look at Romans 8 here in a couple of weeks. But before we get there, we've got to look at this passage. I'll set up, I'll, we'll set up verses 18, 19, and 20 with verses 14 through 17. More, more realistically, I guess, or more true is Paul sets it up, right? We'll just read it. Verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human. Somebody say, all too human. I'm a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right. This is sounding familiar to what we're about to read in 18, 19, 20. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. Now, we can't really say the devil made me do it or it's not my fault. That's not an excuse for not owning our responsibility to battle sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, this is the Person and the Power podcast. This is all centered around the person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where Romans 6 and 7 are leading us to this beautiful, incredible chapter of verse, uh, chapter 8, where it's all about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we get to chapter 8, we have to know our human frame. And this is what Paul says, I'm all too human. Even though sin is dead, even though Romans 6 tells us sin is dead, even though it continues to say that we don't have to live according to the power of sin, we can actually have our instruments of our bodies, our, our, our mouths, our eyes, our, our tongue, our hands, our feet. They can be instruments to righteousness, right? We've talked about this. But Paul is still saying we're still slaves to sin in some way, and we still are all too human. He sets this famous passage of verses 18 through 19 and 20 up. Listen to what he says. And I know, verse 18, that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I don't do what I, if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. What? <laughs> Tug of war, anybody? Boom, boom, boom. Can you see the flag inside your very heart? Can you see this tug of war? It almost is this, uh, this idea of a good angel, bad angel, although that is not good theology. But it is this sense of tug, and war, tug of war in us where we know what is right and wrong because as Christians, we know the law. We know the, what God says is right is right. What God says is wrong is wrong. And we know that the power of sin is dead. And yet, here we find ourselves battling back and forth and forth and back like this fourth grade recess tug of war field day competition that goes back and forth and back and forth. And, and we're like, why do we do this? And so here's this perplexion. Here's this, here's this uh, great oxymoron. Here, here's this great uh, paradox, if you will. Sin is dead, but sin is very much alive. The enemy has been defeated, 
but the enemy is, is still ruling in the world today. The power of sin apparently has been vanquished by the blood of the Lamb of God on Calvary and by the empty tomb, praise God, and yet the power of sin is still so rampant inside of us. Our sin nature, when we are born again, our sin nature is turned into a saint nature. But even as saints, we can still sin. Wow, help, <laughs> help. This is this crazy paradox we actually live in. We live in this world, don't we? We literally live in this world. I know I do. And the counseling I do and my friendships I have and the, the brotherhoods that I, the, the, the bands of brothers that, that I'm involved in to, to help keep me accountable, uh, all the things that I see in my, my, my life, this is so true. We still battle sin. Sin is dead. But why are we still battling sin? Because sin is still that powerful residue in our lives. And we are still in this sense of sanctification. The, the sanctification process is indeed that. It's a process. While we are saved in a, by a moment of time, the cross and the empty tomb, we're saved by Jesus' finished work. We accept that by faith. We come to him. His grace saves us. We unlock that grace by our faith. And then we start walking in the process of the sin nature, fully realizing how dead it is. This is even why Paul says, I die what? Daily. I die daily. And even this continued exhortation in New Testament scriptures to be crucified, to allow our flesh to be crucified. Go back to that tug of war in the fourth grade field day competition, girls versus boys, right? The hands are burnt with the rope. And it just feels like sometimes that we just keep getting burnt by sin, doesn't it? We just like, why do I do what I don't want to? Why do I say what I don't want to? Why do I not do what I know is right? The back and the forth and the back and the forth. I still remember tug of war was fun, but it was also kind of hard. It was excruciating because it's like the legs, remember the legs, you're driving your legs backwards, right? You, you're pulling with your arms. It's almost like every muscle in your body is straining against a force on the other side that's straining against your force. Doesn't that sound like this passage? Forces straining against each other. And then at the end of it, you're just worn out. And here, at the end of this fourth grade tug-of-war competition on this field day, we ended up in the mud. And isn't that just like what we feel when we give in to our the sin nature that's supposed to be dead, the sin that's supposed to no longer have any power over us? We no longer, remember what Paul says earlier in chapter 6, sin is not our master, grace is our master. So why in the world are we still obeying the wrong master? because we're still in process of being sanctified. We're still in the process of coming to full realization, full understanding. Wait, the sin nature is dead. Do I believe that this tug of war should continue the rest of our lives? I don't think so. I think the tug of war, at the very least, friends, I think the tug of war should be less and less. Amen? Do I believe that we can live a sinless life in this world? I don't know. I'm kind of, the jury's out for me on that. I want to believe we can by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? There's certainly evidence of that in Scripture. We'll see that as we continue these podcasts in the future. But also know that this passage in Romans 7 is so real and, and, and so applicable, 
applicable in our lives where we really do struggle. So that mud pit, right? That mud pit represents being dragged through the mud, feeling this shame, right? I don't know what tug of war you might be in today, but just know this. There's a passage we'll look at next that there is a power that frees us from the tug of war. And yes, while we're in the tug of war, Jesus understands it. Jesus is understanding that this battle that we face between the sin nature and the saint nature. But don't give up. Don't ever give up. Continue to fight the battle, trusting in the person of Jesus, the power of his Holy Spirit, and trusting in the finished work that is absolutely true and done. It is, it is true in our life, even when the tug of war feels so real. Be blessed as you live this tug of war out. And again, don't give up. Love you guys. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.